0: You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM's The Morning Buzz, and we are speaking to Margareta Dovegal, Managing Director at Resource Work Society. This week's topic is what the proposed federal emissions cap on oil and gas might entail, and whether it would survive a change in government, plus the prime minister's run-in with protesters in Vancouver, and more on the continued frostiness in the China-U.S. relationship. Margareta, thank you so much for joining us this morning.
1: As always, pleasure to be here, Minkin.
0: Let's dive right into it, Margareta. The federal government has promised to release details of its proposed oil and gas emissions cap before the end of the year. What are you expecting, and why has it taken so long?
1: Well, uh, just a bit of context before I uh, dive into a little bit more on what I think is coming and how the government is positioning it. Um, Essentially, climate activists. Uh, globally, but in Canada as well, uh, pinpoint the source of our issues with climate change as being rooted in the oil and gas industry. And look, it's correct that the production of the fuels that support modern life is indeed based in these industries. But the more interesting question for me is what these fuels are used for. Every aspect of modernity, our global civilization that we live in, relies on fossil fuels, from transportation and all kinds of manufacturing to heating and electricity generation in many, many parts of the world. Although in Canada, electricity is one thing, particularly in B.C., that we get to uh, benefit from uh, big rivers uh, for. Um, but essentially, around the world, we continue to be a fossil fuel civilization. And Canada has a unique role here. We're not just a highly developed economy, which translates to our household and business consumption of energy being quite high, uh, whether it's you know domestic. Uh, production and consumption, or uh, products that we import that are made elsewhere in the world that produce emissions. But we're actually also a major producer of oil and gas products. Uh, We supply the world with these things. Our biggest customer is the United States. Uh, A lot of the production happens in western provinces, but some of it also happens in Atlantic Canada, off the coast of Newfoundland, uh, being one example. And like all energy-intensive industries, the way we take oil and natural gas products out of the ground, process them, transport them to consumers that in turn produces a pretty hefty chunk of CO2 emissions. Industry has actually done a pretty phenomenal job over the last decade in decoupling the growth in production from growth in emissions intensity. In fact, emissions intensity, the amount of emissions that we produce for every barrel of oil continues to go down. And in addition to supporting our domestic energy security and that of our closest trading partner the U.S., this industry, which includes conventional oil, oil sands, natural gas... It's a mainstay of our economic strength as a country. It supports communities across Canada. It employs workers in all kinds of jobs across the supply chain, uh, so most of them very, very highly paid. Um, and it has also been embraced by many First Nations communities as a tool for vital economic development opportunities. And the main risk factor in the legislation that the federal government is considering, uh, being you know, nudged along in its uh, work by activists that are fundamentally opposed to emissions-intensive industries like oil and gas, um, is this question of whether this emissions cap means a production cap, a limit on how much can be produced. The government is saying, but we haven't seen the full details of the plan yet, uh, that it shouldn't be. Um, they have delayed the release of the plan quite a bit. Um, it was expected earlier in 2023. Um, they say they want to get the details just right, or you know, maybe more pragmatically, they've been waiting for the right moment in terms of where the public's attention is directed. Um, but their argument overall is that they don't want to kibosh production that's tied to continued market demand, um, you know, you know, prematurely uh, terminating Canada's production of products that will continue to be needed as the world transitions um, its sourcing and consumption of energy products uh, in the bid to fight climate change. Um, but I think that's quite interesting. I think overall the market is a pretty effective force for determining that. And if people want it, they plan to use it, and we can produce it, that's a pretty strong determinant of uh, whether Canada should continue to produce certain products that the world needs, in my opinion.
0: We're not scheduled for a federal election, but polling suggests that if an election were held today, that we'd be in the broad range of a conservative majority government. How likely is an emissions cap on oil and gas to hold up following a change in government?
1: Well, we're, we are we're in the midst of a number of generational transformations right now. Um, back in 2015, uh, You know, the the projections uh, weren't actually that optimistic for the Liberals, but uh, we saw in the election in fall 2015, the map was painted red. Uh, You know, that was going on eight years ago now. I think it's, yeah, eight years ago now. Um, And the polls, uh, as you said, not being imminently close to an election, seem to be suggesting that the Conservatives are on track. Uh, There's unprecedented affordability pressure on Canadians across the country. People are worried about how they're going to pay their bills how the economy is going to survive, what's going to happen with housing. And very often when a government uh, has been in for quite some time, people start to look for alternatives to problems that, in their opinion, have not been resolved uh, or have gotten worse uh, under the the term of a a government. Um, Particularly as it relates to the affordability crisis, um, there's definitely a sense that uh, conservatives are offering a critique and potential solutions that people are interested in pursuing. Um, But the the real question is whether that's going to hold up as we get closer to an election. Hard to know exactly when that's going to be, but I'm certainly not expecting it in the next couple of months. Um, And the Liberals do have uh, an opportunity right now to position themselves as being good stewards of um, Canada's resilience. Economically, socially, all these kinds of things, in the midst of just a tremendous amount of uncertainty globally, um, on climate action, which is something that does tend to get a little bit more attention, where, when things in the economy are looking quite good, um, there have been some hits to credibility. Uh, there was a retreat on where exactly the carbon tax applies um, to home heating in Atlantic Canada. Um, you know. Uh, supporters of the carbon uh, tax have been a little bit aggrieved about that and even liberal insiders are asking if you know that was on the table uh, in you know the hopes of responding to some of the intense affordability pressures being experienced by voters in Atlantic Canada why doesn't the government just scrap the entire carbon price um, so there's a lot of questions right now about that and as it relates to emissions caps on oil and gas our most productive uh, industry by far a great supporter of Uh, Canadian well-being, both when times are good and when times are a little bit challenging due to uh, global conditions, Um, really a question of whether the proposed policy is going to enable that industry to play that fundamental role in our economy. Um, And if they can get that balance right, then I feel like their ability to message themselves as being pragmatic and oriented towards people's concerns, Uh, with respect to their affordability and their economic well-being, will be well-received. And if they don't, I think we would see a Conservative government getting elected and very likely just reversing the whole thing. Um, So now's a chance for everyone to put their minds to answering this question of how do we ensure Canadian resilience and economic strength in a world that is fundamentally uncertain, the economy is not clear, and people are worried about their well-being in the short, medium, and long term.
0: Now, on a recent visit to Vancouver, the Prime Minister had a concerning run-in with crowds of pro-Palestine protesters. Police were called after a large crowd surrounded the restaurant he was at. What exactly happened here?
1: Yeah, we saw about 250 protesters uh, come and actually surround a restaurant that the Prime Minister was uh, dining at in Chinatown. And uh, in response, the Vancouver Police Department actually got all of their uh, officers on call to, to come out. About a hundred police showed up. Uh, there was uh, a bit of a scuffle. Uh, police. Officer unfortunately got injured, uh, but the prime minister was escorted to safety uh, and was able to to get away. Uh, The protesters were really repeating calls that uh, we've been seeing many places around the world for Western powers to push for a ceasefire uh, in Gaza. Um, That's, of course, a continuation of um, the the conflict that we've seen over the last month. It started with uh, Hamas incursion into Israel and uh, many, many, many civilian fatalities and injuries and just horrible things that happened. Um, so the Israeli government went in, IDF went into, to Gaza, uh, cleared out, uh, Northern Gaza. And, uh, there's been a renewed amount of scrutiny and worry that, um, there's just an unacceptably high number of civilian casualties and just harm being done to, to people that had nothing to do with, uh, starting this conflict in the first place. Uh, but you know, such as war and, uh, you know, we're definitely seeing a shift as well in how popular support in the West for Israel is expressed, the uh, intensity of it. Um, you know, a lot of people uh, rightfully are worried about the well-being of Jewish communities. Uh, we're seeing even in places like Canada and in Vancouver, uh, Montreal, and many places across the country, uh, communities are facing threats and violence and harassment just because they're Jewish. And um, some of these threats are directed uh at uh, perceived support for the state of Israel, um, others, I think they're using this as an opportunity to just have have an excuse to be anti-Semitic. Um, so there's there's a lot of things all wrapped up into this. Um, the prime minister did say that, uh, you know, similar to what we're hearing from many Western leaders, um, they want Israel to obey the rule of law, uh, ensure that, you know, they're minimizing civilian casualties as, as they respond to what happened uh, early in October. Um, but I'm not so sure that. Canadian Prime Minister actually has a lot of sway on this and ultimately whether, you know, cranging the, the PM at a place where, you know, he's, he's out dining in the city, is really a way to, to get to change. Um, so certainly hoping that people continue to think, uh, think soberly and clearly and um, try not to let conflict and turmoil from around the world uh, impact the way we conduct ourselves here in Canada.
0: One more thing, Margareta. Chinese President Xi Jinping just paid a visit to the U.S. What's the latest there?
1: Yeah, so he's uh, in the U.S. for a key summit with uh, President Biden. And uh, on the table is hopefully renewed discussion about uh, U.S.-China consensus on climate action. And the lead into the summit, uh, both parties have been releasing a trickle of news about how they're committed to uh, working on this front together. It's, you know, a serious existential threat, climate change that the world is facing. So interesting to see where that goes. Um, But I would say more importantly, I'm really hopeful that this frostiness that we have seen growing over the last couple of years can be meaningfully resolved. Um, There's been some signs, particularly in Chinese state media, that China is looking for a solution. They don't want war. Um, And I I certainly hope that that's exactly what the U.S. is seeking for here as well. Uh, We already have conflict uh, raging in Eastern Europe. Uh, now in the Middle East, and I certainly don't hope I certainly hope that uh, we don't see um, these tensions uh, erupt in actual war uh, across Asia Pacific. Um that wouldn't be in anyone's interest. Uh, so really, really hopeful that these two leaders can sit down, work it out, and try to identify an off- ramp to the conflict that seems to be brewing. Uh, it's in everyone's best interests. Um, certainly good to have peace globally, but uh, in terms of well-being and people's safety, uh, both uh, in Asia and North America and around the world, really, really important that they work out their differences and can try to, try, try to chart a, a path to a better future for everyone.
0: Margareta, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You take care.
1: You too.